come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. All right, guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. The voice of Harlem, man. <laughs> Thank you, Stanley, for the creepy ad libs. We never appreciate that. I see you're not going to Red Lobster today. <laughs> <laughs> First, I mean, hey, I'll go for the Cheddar Bay biscuits, but that's mm, about it. Got when it comes to biscuits. You know, all right, I can't stand Stanley. All right, I'm not Remember, the only single person it's the here. The woman who takes the man to Red Lobster, not the other way around. That's right. e- exactly, Stanley. Red Lobster gonna be packed today. Anyway, all right, guys. So we're back. Uh, before we went on break, I mentioned that we're starting off the show speaking about Beyonce formation the Super Bowl, and respectability politics. Everything that pretty much we've been talking about for the last week. And, of course, if you want to let your voice be heard on this topic, the number is 212-650-6903. And tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. I want to start off by just basically stating the obvious, right? America has always struggled with institutionalized racism and anti-black oppression since its its inception. Uh, From the enslavement of African people brought to America to the legalization of racial segregation, racism has been woven into American fabric and it still persists to uh, oppress black and brown people to this day. Now, this is evident within our criminal justice system, our educational system, and the wealth gap between black and white families. For example... A study that was produced by a group called the Coleman Report, they studied 600,000 students at 3,000 schools and discovered that 87% of white 12th graders score higher uh, than average black 12th graders in both reading and math. And another study that came out in 2014 from the Pew Research uh, found that the median wealth for white families in 2013 was over $140,000 compared to Hispanics, which was $13,000 for a year, this is a family, and blacks at $11,000. Huge, huge disparities, right, when it comes to just, again, your race. And, of course, we know that this happens because um, black people didn't inherit, um, you know, they, they couldn't inherit wealth because of slavery, and that still affects us to this day. So, um, um, so this is a struggle that black and brown people know all too well. While I feel like a larger a larger part of white America either dismisses it or is completely unmoved or unbothered. It's called white privilege. But I'm going to say a lot of that has changed on the day before the Super Bowl when Beyonce <laughs> <laughs> dropped a new song called Formation uh, and the video that celebrates black Southern culture and it takes a stance against black oppression. Now, in this video, which I want to add, was also directed by a black woman, a woman of color. I put it like that. She's mixed, but she is a woman of color. Uh, she, We see in this video the scenes of Hurricane Katrina, which was one of the worst natural disasters in the U.S. that disproportionately hurt low-income communities of color. I know I've seen it firsthand. I went down there in 2006 and 2007, and the lower ninth ward looked like Hurricane Katrina had hit the, the day before. It was very disheartening. Um, and moving on, um, so and, and in the song and in the, uh, the video in the song as well, she um, talks about her black heritage. She loves uh, talking about her, her black family and just celebrating 
blackness. And there's even a part where Big Frida, who's a New Orleans bounce artist. Queen Diva. Yes. Yes. She uh, was also featured on the track. And she makes a, a reference to um, black Southern cuisine, collard greens, cornbread, the foods I grew up with and absolutely love. And then, you know, she talks about red lobster, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know... After that, then Beyonce performed a song at Super Bowl 50 halftime show. I know everybody was watching. It was the Super Bowl, of course. of course. And she came out with her all-black dance troupe, dressed to honor the Black Panther Party. As a result, critics called the song and her performance inappropriate. They said it was anti-cop. They said she was race-baiting. And they said that it was this was not the setting. If you want to make a political message, do that in concert. Not at the Super Bowl, which caters to middle America. White people. Translation, right. white people, as Stanley says. So, and, and you have people like Rudy Giuliani just calling her out in protest. And, like, basically every commentator on Fox News. Right, so that leaves us with a lot to talk about today, and I want to open this open this conversation up to the panel. Phone lines, everyone can chime in. Um, I want to start by just asking everybody, what was your reaction to Formation and Beyonce's Super Bowl performance, Jackie? Um, everything. It was so great. I mean, it, I I am blessed that I get to live in a post-formation world where that just <laughs> exists, and I get to watch it whenever I want. Um, I thought it was great. I watched the video probably a hundred times, like in a day, you know, I, I thought it was fantastic. I think that she is incredibly empowering. I think she's so immensely talented. I love that she used her voice to just, you know, keep it real, right, and be, just say whatever she wanted. And the fact that she used the Super Bowl as, um, as a way to get that song out there, I know a lot of people were angry about it, but I think it's awesome. And I, I think she's getting criticism from both ends, from people that don't like her and people that do, that don't really understand. And I think that with her ability to, I mean, she is a powerful woman, right? She has, she's rich, she's famous, she's powerful, and she used the most watched platform, a hundred over 100 million people in the United States watch the Super Bowl. And she used that to debut really for everybody this song um, in front of everyone, in front of the most watched event on television, I think is phenomenal. I think she's fantastic. But doesn't it raise the question that it was like a capitalist plot for her to sell more stuff, right? Well, I mean, she I mean, the so I'm just the song comes out the day before she and I'm, I'm not even not even getting into like the racial politics of it no, because no, no. I agree with those those symbolism of the song. But I'm saying is though the song drops the day before the Super Bowl, then it, he she does the thing during the Super Bowl. She announces her tour, and apparently, if you go on her website, you can now buy a hat that says, sure. you know, I have hot sauce in my bag. Yeah. Or you can buy a T-shirt. So, like, that to me is, like, this was just a big thing to separate people from their money. And I don't I don't agree. know, like, I don't know. I have questions about its genuine I mean, the its last, authenticity. The last line of the song is, best revenge is your paper. Right, right? Exactly. Like, she knows what she's doing. And I think that um, one of a really good critique that or a really good comment that I heard from a friend of mine, my friend Tiffany, who's been on the show, um, argued that a lot of the criticism about her sort of capitalist tendencies, right, or her ability to raise money from this is rooted in whiteness, right? This idea that, well, if, you know, she's the same as everybody else, like she has this power that she innately has. um, And we're forgetting that she is a person of color that has gained this power, but there's a 
system set up in this country sort of working against her, right? And so, yeah, she's going to make money from this. But I don't think that it's fair to say that she's only doing this to get money, right? Because look at the backlash from this, right? Look at how many sort of rich white guys are so angry. I mean, it would be a lot easier for her to not stir up all this this controversy and not make people so angry with her. Now they're saying that tour dates in Toronto and Canada might be canceled. I mean, that's not very capitalist of her to like put herself on the line in this way um, if she's risking tour dates and money in that way, right? I mean, well, she is going to make money. That's a fair point. I mean, I'm, I don't disagree with that. I just, I don't know. I think like the timing is no coincidence. Well, listen, this is America, and in order to survive in America, you have to make money. I'm not mad at her for trying to make money off of her brand, especially since I know all the money is going to go to her. It's why I subscribe to Title, even though right. I think Jay Z is a jerk, because <laughs> like it's black owned, and if I'm going to put money towards something, I'm going to put it towards a black business or a business that's supported by LGBT people or people of color, because we've been historically underrepresented and underpaid. As far as the video um, and a song formation, it, that should have been called the Negro Special, because. <laughs> In, in a good way, Selena, you give me a crazy face <laughs> because yeah, yeah, she gave me crazy. But, but like, I remember I was watching it with Marilyn, and she got so excited when Beyonce talked about having hot sauce in her bag because Marilyn carries hot sauce in her <laughs> bag. And what I liked about the video and the song was that it was so damn black. It covered every scope of blackness, and it was very in your face and very unapologetic and very much I like this. People made fun of Blue Ivy Carter's hair, and what did she say? I love my baby's naps and her fro. And you see her right there in the front with the future Destiny's uh, Child that she will also break uh, up with to go out solo with. And she talks about her man's, she loves her husband's big nose because Jay-Z has a big nose because he's a black man. She goes out there as a voodoo priestess, and she gives a finger to the white establishment. She says, stop shooting us. This was as black as Hennessy with apple juice. Um, I will say what I really appreciated about Beyonce's uh, song, the video, was that she made a song that wasn't necessarily geared towards white America, white people. I don't think that not everybody would necessarily understand the cultural references as much unless you, you know, unless you Google it or, or research the lyrics. But I, I think that she was embracing, like Stanley said, her her blackness, her identity. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you're from the South, if you're... If you're black, you don't have to If you're black, if you're black, especially yeah. if you're from the South, but if you're black, then you, you got those cultural references. And mm-hmm. you were like, like, Beyonce, uh, like uh, Stanley's girlfriend said, it's like... OMG, you're speaking to me like this. And I was actually baffled by how much shock value she got simply by promoting a pro-black uh, a, pro- a pro-black song that talks about history, culture, and symbolism. I'm like, really? Well, why are you surprised? Let's really think about the, the kind of white person that would be offended by this song is the kind of white person that gets mad when you say Black Lives Matter. Right. Whenever they're not inserted into the conversation, when it's not about them, when it's not praising them, there's an issue. So when a black person gets mad because a Creed, which was a great movie, the white person who was like a supporting character in a movie gets an, gets an Oscar or whatever it's called but then the black main character doesn't and the black director doesn't they get mad and say why is it always about race but then they'll turn around and get mad because black entertainment television exists so why are people boycotting because white tears. because yeah because it makes them uncomfortable and it's not for them and it's not about them right. so they get uncomfortable I mean the type of criticism that she was receiving from guys like Rudy Giuliani and Peter King just proves to me how powerful that song was and how right she is in releasing that song because you have these establishment, you know, conservative white men that are very angry about it. And I love the fact that they watch the video. I think that's like or maybe they only watch the Super Bowl performance. But regardless, the fact that they watch the whole thing and had something to say about it. Um, I tend to not agree with Rudy Giuliani or Peter King on anything. <laughs> and so it just 
further proved how important and impactful that video was. And when was the last time you seen a black star this big who transcends all of the biggest white stars that people of color are supporting so enthusiastically and is now putting out a pro-black message? The last time white people were this mad was when Madonna made that video like a prayer where she had sex with the black, um, the Jesus, the black Jesus <laughs> or whatever she, like, he was. And she like rolled around in yeah, the church with that, the, yeah. Yeah, that was the last time. And the reason why, because Beyonce is a very clear threat to not just to black, to their whiteness, but also it's like to their capitalistic powers because she can do that and put out a tour where it costs $2,000 for tickets and black money will be spent on that and white money will be spent on that. And I, get right, well, but, also, I am, but I'm just curious and this is a question that I don't know if we can answer here but just to, you know, to put out who is also benefiting than that? Does Beyonce have a white manager or no. you know like no, she's her own thing? Who no, like who's The money goes to title and her. Because All of it. A, yeah. you, you, she doesn't have any management. She doesn't Nation. have any. She does have management, but like it's mostly. That's like what I'm saying. There's circle. no uppity white person in the background that oh, is benefiting from I'm this. Sure some, I'm just there's, curious. There's always, in the music industry, there'll, all be, there'll always be some right. white person. But the thing about Beyonce and Jay Z is that they 100 percent own their brand. Jay Z paid five million dollars for the for the rights to all of his masters then he signed a seven year 150 million dollar deal with rock nation beyonce got a bigger deal which means she has her own distribution and then they created title and the only place you can get that video until maybe a half an hour ago or a day ago was on title which means you have to subscribe and you know what that means that's money going to beyonce's pockets because she's the owner that tour she's not signed to a label she signed a rock nation that money goes to her she's yeah. getting big chunks of that check well, I, I mean, my I I think that's a good point, and uh, then it raises a second question, which is about social justice, right? Which is I know that there's been some reports of her and Jay Z helping out with the bail fund about people and protesters that are getting arrested, but a lot of people have made a point to say that it's not good enough just to raise these black issues. It's you have to also figure out a way to have political change, and so the next step in that, as far as I'm concerned, which is yeah, if they're going to use that to make all their own money and to promote a message then they need to take that money that they use to and and use that to politically promote that message but they well, do yeah, yeah, but they do they absolutely do. and I, I think that not she gets it. a lot of criticism for not being at the forefront of every movement and being at every rally and being at every protest but when you think about it how could she do that and take a, she would take away from the message of the movement by inserting herself into every event because she is beyonce right she is one of the most famous people on earth she is Beyonce, right? Like she, nobody compares to her. So if she were to show up at a rally or an event um, and speak out, the focus would be on her. It wouldn't be about the message or the movement. Harry Balafonte poured plenty of money into the civil rights movement. He wasn't necessarily running around like, hey, look what I did. Right. A lot of the stuff was found out after the fact. Yeah, which but, I think is more impactful. But I, I think that basically the question that Alyssa raised, it all goes back to this. Is Beyonce putting forth a substantive form of activism through her work or simply appropriating images, complicated, these complicated I images in the video for her own commercial gain, right? And then uh, the question is, what does she do with that? I mean, to answer that question, I feel like it's, it's pretty obvious that this song was um, conveniently timed. Um, as as well as calculated. However, I don't think it takes away from the power or the scope of the message. My first initial reaction when I heard this song, or well, one of them, was this is manufactured. It sounds like she took like a lot of trending topics, a lot of hot issues, put it into a song and said, you know what, we're going to release this the day before the Super Bowl. I'm going to do this during, I'm going to perform this song during the Super Bowl and during that, and then we're going to put out a, an advertisement promoting my tour. It was extremely calculated and I think that 
the fact that she also released it in the year 2016 also testifies of how secure she feels in her career to finally release a message this controversial. Now, I think that if we if we look about it, and I talk about my I talk about this in the article on Let Your Voice Be Heard, lyvbh.com. Um, if, if you look about if you look at it. The, the way that it's calculated and the fact that she put it out today, um, does it take away from her activism? Does it say that she's being inauthentic? Is this inorganic? Or has she always felt like this and felt like, you know what, I'm just going to stay in the background. I'll continue to give donations. I'll go to marches. I won't speak. I'll show up, just have my presence there to support. I won't tweet about this. I won't speak about this in interviews. I'll continue to live my life how I want. Maybe I'll wear a shirt that says, you know, hands up or something like that. Um, but but it, it all does come into play for her to just say, like, okay, now I'm going to finally talk about this. Okay, so and on that note, Snelly's giving me the break sign. We're going to have to go on a quick break, but we will continue this conversation about Beyonce formation and that question, why now? We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Unless you, know that, you know that line, I knew Jack Kennedy, you are no Jack Kennedy. You all well, are. I don't know John Legend, but you're no John Legend. I'm John Legend squared, all right? And you will not bash the song, my and Marilyn song. Marilyn Chrissy Teigen. Psych. No, she's way hotter. Yes, Thank you very I agree. Much. Um, but fine, Selena. Go ahead. Take the thunder. Oh, no, no. So so where we left off, we were talking about Beyonce, the Super Bowl formation and respectability politics. Beyonce has t- taken a new stance, a new embrace of blackness, of black identity, and she's letting everyone know about it. And she's unapologetic about it. Uh, I just wanted to briefly mention SNL did a great skit yes. on how white people have been losing their minds because they finally discover that Beyonce is black because <laughs> she's talking about uh, black issues in this in this song. And she's doing it a lot through the imagery, I might add. And before we went on break, I was pretty much talking about that question of, you know, is she putting forth, you know, a substantive form of activism through her work or is she almost like appropriating these images and everything in the in this video um, for her own commercial gain and profit? And I know uh, Jackie had a yeah. response to well, that. Well, so Selena also mentioned, like, why now? Right, like, why, why now? now? And she, Beyonce got the same criticism after her last album drops where a lot of people said, oh, now she's a feminist all of a sudden? Like, why now? And I don't actually believe that all of us sudden she gained this critical consciousness but even if she did let's say all of a sudden she woke up and she was like wait i'm a feminist i care about these issues that's okay to me i don't care if she didn't before and she does now i'm never going to reject someone who gains critical consciousness no matter when in their life or in their career they do i think that's something that i I'm weary of that a lot of people are doing and it's the same thing that happened when she dropped her last album where people were like oh well she's an inauthentic feminist because she never talked about these issues and previous works had been sort of anti-feminist and all of a sudden now she cares about feminism maybe it took this point in her career to be able to speak out in a way that wasn't going to receive a tremendous amount of backlash and even now even after the drop of formation she's receiving tons of backlash and that's with her status and her power now right i don't think she would have ever been able to release a song like this 10 15 years ago so i don't care about the timing of it i i'm just happy that it's happening stanley i understand we were getting comments Yes, we were getting comments. So I wanted to read a comment coming from Andrea from Real World Dropouts. 
And she says, no one wants to own their racism, so white people ask black people to conform, not have their own culture, and be proud of it. And then when that doesn't happen, it's, well, I'm not racist, because look what they did. Mm. When even if black people conform to white expectations, there will still be a reason why black individuals are killed at a higher rate, incarcerated, incarcerated at a higher rate, receive scholarships or educations because they're black, not, excuse me, because they're black and not deserving. The overall white population doesn't want to accept the black experience as something valid. People have no idea what the Black Panther Party did for black communities or what they represent in the first place. They are brainwashed by the by the whitewashed version of history that they were given. All people saw in the Super Bowl Sunday in that formation video was black women and people being proud to be black. And that transformation, that transformed into anti-cop. It's honestly illogical. All right. Well, thank you for that real world dropouts for leaving that comment. I know we have Miss Deborah on the line. We do. Okay, we're gonna let her let her voice be heard. Good morning, Miss Deborah. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Selena. You said that. Why now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why not? Mm. Get him. Why not before? Yeah, but why not now? She did it Sunday. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I'm not so. I don't think anybody disagrees that she shouldn't have no, done no, it. No, no, no. I didn't say Miss Pugh. Well, I said <laughs> Selena. Yes, Selena. She had said, "Why? Yeah. Why is she doing it now?" Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm wondering from you, like, why not? Well, well, the thing is, my perspective on it is, I appreciate it, and, and what I said is that no matter how calculated. This decision was no matter how manufactured this song was, I still appreciate it. The message and the scope of the message is much more powerful and it's much more needed. Whatever it is that was in Beyonce's heart and mind or pockets that led her to do this, it, 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 I think that it doesn't outweigh the power of the message. So I appreciate her for doing it. But even the way you're like you're articulating it, you're saying like no matter how calculated or no matter how opportunistic, you're like you're pretty much projecting your own like point of view on it to everyone else and then saying at the same time, well, I appreciate it no matter what she was trying to do. It's very clear what you think she was trying to do. So like I, I feel like you're kind of like Well, the thing because the thing is the reason why I appreciate Beyoncé doing it Mm-hmm. Is because if she didn't do this, we wouldn't be having this discussion. It wouldn't been. We wouldn't have had this message translated through the Super Bowl, which is a huge venue for all people so to see. So, is it sincere or is it manufactured? Because you said it was manufactured before. Even if it's not sincere, even if it's not sincere, I appreciate her for doing it. I don't. I can't. I can't. One hundred percent. No, I can just look at the facts. I can look at her history. Sure. I can look at her background, yeah. and I can make my own projection. I will never know unless she comes out and says it. Right, which you probably won't because she keeps everything close to the chest. She doesn't do a lot of interviews. So, And, you know, I think what's interesting about the song and the video, which are now the same thing, in my opinion. The song is the video. The video is the song. I think they've, like, merged into the same, you know. Um, but I think that she has left it open for interpretation a bit, right? She's not explicitly saying... This is what I mean with each one of these images. There's so much conversation about. And that's why it's being misinterpreted as being this like very anti-police, anti-cop video, um, while others are defending it and saying it's not. I do not see it as that, as being anti-cop, anti-police. But um, there's a lot. It opens up. She's not explicitly stating what her beliefs are to a T, right? There's a lot of room for conversation. But you know what? That's another part of it, which is just like asking for the police to be held accountable for some of the things that we've seen going on in this country. Um, I mean, now and obviously in the past during Jim Crow mm-hmm. and even before then, um, you know, is not the same as being anti-cop. Right. So that's another yeah. big thing that needs to be addressed, which is any time people are saying Black Lives Matter or stop killing us or, you know, the symbolism or the imagery of 
of the little boy dancing and the police putting mm-hmm. their hands up at the end of the video. Why is that automatically equated with being anti-cop? It's not. It's, it, like I said, asking for accountability in policing, especially with the high numbers of black and brown people that we see being killed by the police, you know, is not the same as being right. anti-cop. And in fact, that whole war on cops narrative is malarkey because we actually and i know i've mentioned this before police are being killed at the lowest rate ever right now we are seeing less police dying in the line of duty now than we have ever seen ever historically ever right in in the history of this country so this narrative is false and it's uh, i think stanley hit the nail on the head when he said something about white tears i caught part of yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like just because, you, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, it goes back to that whole thing, which right. is just because you're saying like this needs accountability needs to happen. That's not speaking about something else. And everybody, especially like white people, try and make it about themselves. Right. Right. All the and, time. Yeah, but not, and right. and it's not about you. Yeah, and I not. say that as a white, a white person. It's not about us. Right. We have a call on the line. We have Jeanette on the line who would like to let her voice be heard. Floor is yours. Hi, how are you? Hey, Jeanette. Hi. I just wanted to comment on the anti-cop segment of it. Of course, people are going to focus on that small, on that small scene in the video where she's submerged in water when mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of water and there's a cop car in the middle of it. So, of course, people are going to say that she's anti-cop. But honestly, what she was trying to say, what she, was, she was trying to make a Hurricane Katrina reference. That's why on the back of the car it says New Orleans police. It's not trying to be like, oh, kill cops or, you know, down cops or anything like that. It's strictly supposed to be a Hurricane Katrina reference. But, of course, people aren't going to see that. But I do honestly think that there's a lot of attention on Beyonce just because it's Beyonce instead of the, ironically, instead of the economic and political issues that are portrayed in the video. Thank you so much, uh, Jeanette. I think that we all agree up here about, you know, thank you for breaking it down about why she was on the cop car and what that did symbolize. And um, again, these the, the issues should be bigger than Beyonce, but I don't know if we're focused more on her or the issues. I'm going to veer left just a little bit because there's something Jackie said and something Jeanette said I want to connect. Yes. So Jackie said what she liked about the video was that like Beyonce it, like doesn't speak about what it, she means. So it's open for interpretation. And then Jeanette said that like people are, are like misinterpreting this particular image where she was talking about one thing which is also the way that i interpreted it but it what that does for me is gives me appreciation for beyonce the artist yeah. because it shows that like she can like send a message and like kind of leave space for people to kind of to kind of like take it how they want whereas you have other people like kanye west who just do crude things and then call it art <laughs> all right well that's another discussion i, I guys i want to i want to talk about some of the pushback beyonce has been getting from the left the far left let's go Uh, So the founder of the New York chapter of the new Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, his name is Khalif Kusar. He actually did an interview with the New York Amsterdam News and talking about the tribute that she made at the Super Bowl to the Black Panther Party. And he said, and I quote, it was disrespectful to what the Panthers stood for. Then he added, and he said her outfit and her blonde weave dilutes the point that she may have been trying to trying to make. So she's getting pushback from the far, um, the very far left. And I definitely want to get reaction from the panel on what some of the Black Panthers are saying. You know, when you first said he had some criticism, I was like, oh, brother, here we go. But he has a point. Black Panther was... <laughs> wow. Black Panthers was all about pro-blackness and like being comfortable and proud of your blackness and blonde hair is not black. 
So I can understand that point. But I think like he's missing the bigger picture, which is like, who the heck is talking about the Black Panthers? The Black Panthers has, has turned into a fringe group that even most black people don't like acknowledge. Not, not most people, but even a lot of black people don't acknowledge anymore because they don't know the history behind it. And now we're having a conversation about this group, which, in case you guys didn't know, was the big reason why we have breakfast in schools now. Because That's they started right. a breakfast program where they were based in California. And then before that, there was no breakfast program. And because it was so successful, the, gov- the federal government said, hey, we should steal this from the black people like we're going to do with Lit and other things they do. No, Stanley is absolutely right. And just to add to that history, the Black Panthers were also all about defending the black community against police, against the KKK, and doing these feeding community uh, programs. They stood for defending um, black people said, excuse me, um, they were basically saying when it comes to violence, you know, peace is the answer first, but we need to meet violence with violence. We're going to have to do something to fight oppression. And they were, they, they practiced their Second Amendment rights. They took this a very pro-black stance and they helped black people really find a voice during the 50s, during the 60s that was non-existent. Yeah, and for the record, two things. One, the reason that California has such tight gun laws is yep. because Ronald Reagan was governor when right. the Black Panthers were like, hey, you're gonna sh- you, you want to shoot? We're going to shoot back. And he said, oh, no, black people can't have guns. And two, the Black Panthers in and of itself, they were targeted by the FBI, by the CIA, and by the police. Let's talk about the activists who were shot in their homes, in their beds, and the police said it was a shootout, even though they were only one direction the bullets were going to. So do you find it disrespectful for, oh. for Beyonce to use that imagery, or do you think it's important for Beyonce to use that imagery? In I think order it's to- important, because now, you know how many people go- are Googling Black Panthers? Right. Well, to answer that question, Alyssa, I, Beyonce's image does not correlate with the standards and the ideals of the Black, Panth- Black Panther Party. Number one, a lot of people pointed out that her dancers did have the afros, but she did come out with her blonde weave. She stayed true to her essence, right? This is who Beyonce is, and it was a tribute in her interpretation mm-hmm. in her eyes. I don't think that she was trying to be reflective of the Black Panther movement to that, um, to that, that accurately, right? right? She was just saying, you know, this is how, right, it's her. It's up to her interpretation. It did more good than it did harm. And I'll tell you, even that interview, um, you know, the fact that the Black Panther Party, they're getting press, they were in the Amsterdam news, um, and they're getting features again, does speak to the power that she had just by doing that. I mean, Why uh, can't they be like Red Lobster? They're ecstatic that Beyonce mentioned her. <laughs> we also have um, Ms. Deborah on the air again. So I want the, um, Selena, how do you want to move Yeah, yo, uh, yes, go ahead, take take the call. So, so right, Deborah, no, it, it, it's, you know, there have been, I mean, I'm a kid. I was a kid. I don't know, per se. I wasn't in the bed with them. But, I mean, like, people have, have talked about the history of some of the uh, the, the Panthers uh, bedding down with uh, white females. So maybe that was a little indication. You know what I mean? Maybe she was trying to let you know indirectly. I mean, I think she gives people a lot more credit than they deserve. Because when I hear people sometimes talk, I'm like, did they really see the same thing that we that I saw? This 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 is she's trying to tell you something and you're not getting it. You're not getting it. But I mean, sometimes we have to be very open and very honest about the truth, and then this way you can get a lot more from it. I- 
Thank you very much, Miss Deborah. I think she just threw some shade at some, some of the Black Panthers. So, so what were what do you mean, I mean, Stanley? I don't really know much like about like that. I just during the Black Panther movement, there were some people who dated white women, and I think it's a bit hypocritical to call out for that one piece when like the overall message is a lot bigger. And then also, I think there's some a little bit of patriarchy behind that criticism because Black Panther was very progressive. A lot of the members were very like progressive, and some of the first LGBT activists, some of the first feminists. But there was still a lot of respectability politics in relation to how women had to behave. I'll, I'll, I would push back on that because I don't think it was all about respectability politics. I think the Black Panther Party, when it comes to women, I think that what they said, that they were fighting that stereotype that women, that black women were these hyper-sexualized beings that could not get raped. Every time you saw a black woman, and we see it again over and over perpetuated in hip-hop videos, their eye candy, you see their breasts, you see their butt, you and you barely sometimes even see their faces. Right. And I think that the Black Panther Party took a hard stance and said you're not going to disrespect our women like this they're women and that's why they dress militant and that's why they and that's why they did they did cover up i mean they were still sexual beings but they didn't put that at the forefront because right. they wanted to be respected as but i'm human saying there was still first. patriarchy behind the way they treated women yeah. i still like property i still the man was above that and that's why i say there might have been some patriarchy involved in this response but i'm sorry listen no, I, just like, I feel like there's too much time not by us but like being spent on her blonde wig <laughs> you know it's like you're you're <laughs> Focusing on the trees that are in front of your face and not on the forest, which is right? like the patriarchy. Okay. Right, the piece forest of this. is the bigger picture. Is right. the fact that whether you feel like it's a it's a prop that she's just doing this for one reason or doing it for another, the fact is she is using her celebrity status to bring some of these issues to the forefront and to distract from the fact that she's doing that based on the fact that she has blonde hair. Like to me, doesn't make any sense. It's it, that is focusing only on the trees. It's not focusing on the forest. It's ignoring the fact that she's taking the time for whatever reason, and we can have a debate over the reasons, and we have. She's taking the time to bring these issues into the forefront, and so you shouldn't focus on the trees instead of the forest. Um, we have Brother Omar on the line who would like to let his voice be heard. The floor yes, is yours. Happy, happy, happy Valentine's Day to uh, the family. And uh, I, I thought that, uh, well, first of all, you know, this is the 50th anniversary of the original Black Panthers. You also have the new Black Panther Party, which is headed by uh, Attorney Malik Zulu. So let's, uh, but I think that's of, of a different ilk. But they follow the same uh, prescription of what the original Black Panthers started. Uh I don't know if uh, your panel or the people know that when the Black Panthers were disorganized by J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, who called them the most treacherous uh, uh, organization in this country, and, you know, you had the uh, KKK, the White Citizens Council, American Nazi Party, but they targeted the Black Panthers. And when they disorganized them, most of the Black Panthers were women. You remember Elaine Brown was the chairwoman of the Black Panther Party, and they brought that to the forefront. And they were young. They were teenagers. Stanley mentioned about the breakfast programs. They also had medical programs, too, that the government picked up on. 
and they have a documentary coming on PBS Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, watch that uh, on the Black Panthers and Bobby Seals and uh, uh, the original. I had the privilege of meeting uh, El- Mrs. Eldridge Cleaver, who's teaching now at uh, at the University in Connecticut. So these were young people who were moved, trying to move the country in a direction of self-defense, black power, black uh, entitlement. And uh, I think we should give kudos to Beyonce for bringing this to the forefront. What 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 her hairstyle was that has nothing to do with it. Her, she and her husband have given monies, millions of dollars to these organizations. Black Lives Matters, trying to get the brothers and sisters equal representation for prison. So she ha- uh, she has a long list of things that we could be proud of this sister for. And that's all I want to say about it. And thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you you. so much for chiming in, Brother Omar, with that comment. I want to take final uh, comments from our panel here on, again, Beyonce, the Super Bowl and respectability uh, politics. I mean, Brother Omar made a point and and, and pretty much said that Beyonce did is doing more good than she's doing harm. Whether she didn't do it in a certain in a certain way that would uh, please everybody. Um, you know, that's arguable, but she's still doing more good. What do you think about that, Jackie? I, I agree. Like, I am totally taken with her. And I think, like I said before, she could take all my money. I am a devout member of the Bayhive, so I nice. will full disclosure. But I think that what she did here was great. And I, I totally, I don't know, I don't agree with, I can't agree with any of the criticism she's been, she's been fielding. I think that this video was really important. I think that she chose the exact right time to release it at the Super Bowl, which is a night that's sort of dedicated to kind of this like male violence and aggression. She took, I mean, this is who we're talking about. This is the part of the Super Bowl that we're still talking about. She was able to shift that attention, I think is fantastic. Um, And yeah, I can't wait to see what comes next from her. Thank you for that, Jackie. Um, Alyssa? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with most of that. I don't have a lot more to add, but I would say, as I already said, I think that, you know, we shouldn't spend so much time talking about, you know, like, what was her hair or what was this? And, like, focus on the bigger picture, you know? How is Beyonce and Jay-Z using their power and their influence as people of color with money and with some sort of power in context compared to other people, um, you know, in order to push this movement forward? And if, you know... Regardless of whether this may have been some kind of marketing scheme so that Beyonce can make money for herself, if some of that money is going towards pushing these causes and helping the young people who are perpetuating these movements, I am all for it. And I am proud that she used the Super Bowl uh, to put this message forward, notwithstanding the fact that she knew that there was going to be outrage from the white privileged white tears community. So I'm going to paraphrase something Sarah Silverman said. She said on Twitter um, after this performance, she goes, only Beyonce could put out a song less than 24 hours ago and the whole world knows it by heart. Mm. And that's the kind of power that she has. And Beyonce also has the power to have a whole bunch of little black girls all over the world and all over this country all of a sudden like that that big black nose that they have and like that kinky, nappy hair or that photo that they have and all of a sudden be so excited about their blackness. And she also has the power to have a whole bunch of people going, who is Fred Hampton? Who are the Black Panthers? 
And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people who didn't know anything about anything are woke or are informed. And why? Because of Queen Bay. I'm all for it. Right. And, and I just wanted to add uh, really quickly that it, when we look at, again, the statistics, I started off this segment talking about the, the, ed, the gap in education, the wealth gap between black and uh, black and white families, and also in our, our criminal justice system where we see black and brown people being taken and being taken in and put into jail for even having small amounts of marijuana. Um, and, and it's not like they're the only people that happen to use or sell marijuana, but there's, they're just the ones that's getting arrested. And I think that when you have a society like this, any contribution counts and helps. And Beyonce with her celebrity and with her platform is only adding to that. Right. Um, she's also a shameless capitalist. She admits in the song, I'm going to be the next, I'm going to be the black Bill Gates. Yeah. She's unapologetic about that. I'm going to make money. But as Alyssa says, what, what really matters is how you use that money to empower, to give back, and to help others also reach that same plateau. So I think that, again, what she's doing is definitely clap worthy. And I hope and I would love to see more of this from Beyonce. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the death of Antolin, uh Scalia.